Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. This is David Canfield, and I'm recording this brief addendum to the podcast on Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. And this program is a continuation of the previous podcast. As I mentioned at the end of that podcast, I originally had this as one program, but I just felt there was too much to cover in one episode, and so I've split it into two parts. In the previous program, what I covered mainly was some general points about the exodus of the children of Israel from the land of Egypt and how that's a picture of how we as the believers in Christ have to forsake the world if the Lord is going to have his building. He cannot have his building if we remain in the world, just like in the Old Testament. He could never have the tabernacle built up as his dwelling place if the children of Israel remained in the land of Egypt. And so if you haven't listened to that previous podcast yet, uh, I would encourage you maybe to listen to that one first before you listen to this one. It'll give some more context. And I'll link to that in the program notes below. At the end of that podcast, I, I gave definitions for a couple of the terms I was using. The first it has to do with the world. When we, we, when we talk about forsaking the world, what does that mean? Well, in the New Testament, the Greek word for world is cosmos, and it refers to the system that Satan has created in order to keep people in bondage under his authority as the ruler of this world. But when John talks about the world in 1 John chapter 2, he says what's in the world. He's talking, he says, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, these three things. And these are not things that are on the outside of us. They are things that are within us. And so the world system that Satan has arranged stirs up these things that are within us to cause us to love the world and to stay under his bondage. So to deal with our love of the world, it's not just a matter of dealing with outward things. You know, if you get rid of this and this and this, that means you don't love the world. It means we have to deal with these things that are within us in a deeper way, not just the outward things. And that's, that's the first definition that we gave. And then secondly, we really need to have a clear understanding of who Pharaoh represents. And everyone, I think, would agree Pharaoh represents Satan, who is, according to the New Testament, the ruler of this world and the God of this age. That's what the New Testament calls him. In uh, John chapter 12, verse 31, and some other verses in the Gospel of John, and in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. But we have to understand that just as the world is not just what is outside of us. Pharaoh, as the ruler of this world, is not only outside of us, he's also within us. There's a very real sense in which the Pharaoh that we have to deal with is not just the outward Pharaoh as the ruler of this world. It's the Pharaoh who is within us and who's always driving us and trying to draw us to love the world. You know, you have to have this kind of a car. You can't be satisfied with such and such a car, with such and such a house, with such and such a career. You have to love the world. You have to uh, be somebody in the world, whoosh, whoosh, you know, so to speak. These are some sound effects, right? Really so. It's, that's, there's a pharaoh within us that wants us to love the world, and that has to be dealt with if we are going to really forsake the world and follow Christ in a clear and definite way. And so in this episode, we're going to go on and talk about, specifically about the struggle between Moses and Pharaoh, and in particular about the bargaining 
that was going on between these two, especially on Pharaoh's part, to try to keep the children of Israel in the world system and how that pictures the way Satan does everything he can to cause us to remain under his authority in this world system so God cannot have his dwelling place on the earth. It's really a remarkable picture. And that's what we're going to be considering now in the rest of this program. So now we come to the struggle between Moses and Pharaoh. And I don't want to say too much about the plagues uh, themselves. There's another point that I, I want to focus on here. But I will, in a general way, I'll say this. If we keep in mind that Pharaoh signifies not only the Satan who is ruling over the world outwardly, but the one who is struggling within us, that indwelling satanic nature in every human being that struggles to keep us from believing in Christ and then struggles to keep us from forsaking the world to follow Christ in an absolute way. If we understand that, then we'll have a realization of why the Lord allows sufferings to come into our life. In, in part, one important reason for that is to help us see the real nature of the world. The world today has this you know, marvelous appearance in some ways. It's so uh, lux filled with luxury and pleasure and amusements. That's its appearance. But its reality is something very, very different. And as the believers in Christ, if we're not going to love the world, we have to see it for what it really is, not according to its you know, very nice appearance outwardly. We need to see through that appearance and to see the real nature of the world. And sometimes for that to happen, we have to pass through some sufferings. And those sufferings make us clear about the real nature of the world. They help us to be clear, I should say, about the, the real nature of the world. Now, I, I always appreciate the, the picture of the Titanic. It's a very similar illustration. And the, this, this ship is so big, and it's so luxurious, and so filled with pleasure and uh, entertainments and, uh, and happiness and things. And yet, it sank to the bottom of the sea. It hit, hit this iceberg. And it's such an illustration of the real situation of the world today. It looks so good and, and, and so attractive. And people just want to be a part of that. And they don't realize you better get on one of those little lifeboats if you want to get saved, have your life saved, and not go down with the Titanic. Well, today, Jesus Christ is the lifeboat of our salvation, and his gospel is the lifeboat of our salvation in this world that is headed to its doom. And I should say, I do have a pamphlet on the ChristianFaith.org that makes exactly this point about the Titanic. It uses the Titanic to illustrate the gospel, as many others have as well. The one on my website, it's called This Way, Please. You can get that. Just click on the gospel tab, and you'll see it there. But it's the same principle. The Lord allows sufferings to come in in order to help us realize what the world is and to help us have a mind that we need to leave this world system behind. And that's what the plagues signify in, in the early part of the book of Exodus. Why? God allowed these plagues to happen was to help the Israelites, not just to break down Pharaoh's resistance, but to help the Israelites realize we need to get out of this place. This is not where we belong. And when these sufferings sometimes come into our life, as, as, as much as they are negative and as much as they, they grieve us in a very real sense, and in Hebrews, Paul, uh, or the writer of Hebrews, recognizes that, we should realize they do have a, a positive effect of helping us to realize the world is not, this, is, this isn't where I belong. This is not what I should be seeking after is the good of this world because it's all going to fall apart in the end. I want something that's going to last forever. As the Apostle John says in 1 John uh, chapter 2, he, 
The world is passing away in its lust, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So the struggle really between Moses and Pharaoh begins in chapter 5. Uh, after God has called Moses and he sent him back to go to Pharaoh. Very interesting the way this struggle begins. In Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, Moses and Aaron go into Pharaoh and say, Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, let my people go. Very strong, bold statement. It would take some guts to go into Pharaoh like that, that's for sure. So how does Pharaoh respond? Pharaoh says, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I will not I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. That's really something. He had absolute, Moses makes his strong declaration and basically Pharaoh says to him, Get lost, punk. I I'm not interested in what you have to say. This was a real lesson to Moses. And it's a real illustration of all, for all of us who seek to serve the Lord today. You know, by this time, Moses had been very much equipped to serve the Lord. And he'd spent 40 years learning all the things uh, in Egypt and being educated and trained. Then he spent another 40 years uh, in the wilderness as a shepherd, really being broken down in his natural man. And then the Lord appears to him. He gives him these signs and he says, go to Pharaoh. So Moses, for sure... He, he was equipped to serve the Lord. But what he didn't have here was the Lord himself. And that is a real reminder to all of us who seek to serve the Lord. No matter how much you feel you have with the Lord, how much you've been uh, in the word, how much you've been dealt with and trained, if you don't have the Lord himself, it's not going to make any difference in dealing with uh, the satanic system to call people out. We need to make sure we always have the Lord himself. And that's what Moses learned. And it's interesting, in verse 3, he goes on, he's lost all his boldness. After he said, make that song declaration, let my people go. He's so bold. Right, right away in verse 3, after Pharaoh says, get lost, basically, uh, uh, Moses and Aaron say, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. In other words, they, all their boldness is gone. They're just basically, please, Pharaoh, let us go. And, and he's, basically he still says no. So again, this is a lesson anyone who serves the Lord really has to gain, to serve the Lord effectively. It doesn't matter how much you have or you think you have. You must have the Lord himself to serve the Lord effectively in everything that you do. That's what the Lord said. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That was after he'd been with the apostles three and a half years. So really something... So after this, in chapter 5, Moses, of course, is quite discouraged. And he goes back to the Lord. But the Lord the Lord reminds Moses of how he's called him to serve him. Then in chapter 7, at this time, he sends him directly to Pharaoh. And so uh, chapter 7, verse 6 says, Then the Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded them, so they did. So now they have the Lord's direct command to go into Pharaoh. They're going in with the Lord. And that's when they begin to do the signs that are going to break down Pharaoh's resistance to allowing the people to go to Egypt. Of course, the first one is to turn his rod into a serpent. The second one, that's when you begin to see the damage on the land of Egypt uh, with turning the waters into blood. And, and it goes on from there, the lice and all these the frogs, these terrible things that happened to Egypt. And eventually what happens, and this is the point that I want to dwell upon, what you see with Pharaoh is that he's bargaining with Moses. He's bargaining with Moses about, okay, how can we make you happy without having you just completely leave the land of Egypt? 
And why is that important is because that's exactly the same way so many Christians bargain with Pharaoh, or you could say, on the other hand, they bargain with the Lord about how I'm going to follow Christ. And it's really something how this just matches up with our experience. Again, it's the type of thing that makes you realize only God could have written this book. I just want to take a minute to remind the listeners that this program is being produced in connection with my website, which is thechristianfaith.org. I hope you'll visit that. I think there's a number of very useful resources on there to help you with your spiritual growth, with your walk with the Lord, and with your serving of the Lord, and to have a view of what God's purpose is. If you want to subscribe to our e-letter, which we send out a couple times a week, just click on the subscribe link there. And if you'd like to contact us, if you have comments or questions about the program or about the Christian life in general, you can send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. So the first uh, response that we've already seen at the beginning of chapter 5 is he says, uh, I, don't, I don't know the Lord, right? Who's the Lord? Why should I listen to him? Well, that's the very same way so many people respond when they first hear the gospel. You know, the Lord is so merciful. He, he doesn't give up on us if we just one time. He keeps coming back again and again. But so often when we first hear the gospel, our response is just like Pharaoh's there. Who's the Lord? I don't believe in the Lord. Not like you do, anyway. Maybe I go to church or something, but I I don't believe the Lord is really God. Get away from me. I'm not interested. So we're just the same as Pharaoh is in that respect. The second one is in Exodus chapter 8, verse 25. And that's when Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and says, Go, sacrifice in the land. In other words, okay, you you can go and have your sacrifices and things, but you have to stay in the land of Egypt. Do you see this picture here? Ask yourself, how many Christians today sacrifice in the land? So many Christians today are just in exactly this situation. They're sacrificing in the land, so to speak. You could say, yes, they believed in the Lord. They've had their sins forgiven, but they are absolutely still living in the world and for the world. And therefore, they are under really under the authority of Satan. They haven't yet come out. And so much worldliness you see among Christians today uh, and and, and things that just shouldn't be among Christians and and the kind of worldly kind of worship. And again, it's hard to define, but in general, it's it's fair to say so many Christians are just like this, just living in the world. Yes, they believe in the Lord. It's not that they don't believe in the Lord. They do, but they're sacrificing in the land. They've never had that clear stand, I'm coming out of the world. I'm forsaking the world. And so they, they, they live as those who are in the world. Now, it's very striking. This is a point I want to make here. This is a big reason why so much biblical teaching today is all about the redemptive work of Christ. Do you know why that is? It's because if you are a person who is in the world, if you are just like an Israelite living in the land of Egypt, All you have is the Passover lamb. You can never have God's dwelling place and the richer experiences of Christ that you have once you leave Egypt and get into the wilderness. God will not build his tabernacle in the land of Egypt. He can't. Satan won't allow it. And so Christians today, the focus is always on the redemptive work of Christ because that's all they can experience of Christ since they have decided not to come out of the world 
and to come out of Satan's authority. So to speak, every Lord's Day, what do they have? It's more of the Passover lamb. Well, I, believe me, as, a, as we get into the Passover, as I, I say, I'm hoping to do in the next message, the Passover is so rich. There's so much there. It's so wonderful. You can spend a lot of time on that. But to enter into the experience of Christ that you see in the tabernacle, which signifies the building up of the church as the body of Christ in this fallen age, and all the different sacrifices. Now you just don't have little Passover lamb. You have so many different offerings of Christ in the wilderness. The burnt offering, the meal offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, and the priesthood. That's where you have the priesthood is in the wilderness. All these marvelous experiences of Christ are what these things typify. That's what you have when you finally come out of the world. But because Christians aren't willing to forsake the world, they're not willing to have that clean break from the world, they have to focus on the Passover. And so, so much Christian teaching, so much Christian ministry today is all on redemption. And some of it's good, some of it may be not that complete. Uh, and, and, and I'm not putting the, that teaching itself down, but we should enter into eventually a much fuller, a much richer experience of Christ because we left the world. But so many believers today can't because they're sacrificing in the land, just like uh, the Israelites, or Pharaoh, like Pharaoh wanted the Israelites to do. But Moses was very firm. He wasn't going to allow that. He said, no, it's not right for us to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. So he was very firm. He was not going to accept that compromise. Unfortunately, today, many Christian leaders do accept that compromise. But if we want to serve the Lord faithfully, we should never say that's uh, something we would accept. We should always say, no, firmly, we have to be those who fully left the land of Egypt. So after Moses refuses that offer, then Pharaoh makes another offer, another compromise. He says in uh, Exodus chapter 8, verse 28, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. So again, this is the situation of so many Christians today. You know what this is? This is uh, the Christians who say, yes, I'm a follower, I'm a believer in Christ, but I'm not that extreme. I don't want to be an extreme believer in Christ. Just like Pharaoh said, you you don't go very far away from Egypt. They haven't gone very far away from the world. And in a very real sense with these believers... Pharaoh ever does want to reach out and bring them back under the authority, he has the opportunity to do that. Because they haven't made that clear separation. They may have some separation from the world, but it's not that great. They don't want to be extreme. Now, this is a type of one of a Christian. They might consider themselves to be a little smarter, wiser than other Christians because they're not extreme believers. So they, don't, they don't believe all the crazy stuff that's in the Bible. And I'll be very practical about this. This reminds me of... Uh, those believers who take the way of Reformed theology. And if you've been listening to this program, you know, for the most part, I'm no fan of Reformed theology. That These are the believers who, they don't want to be extreme. They, we don't believe everything that's in the Bible, right? We, we take those parts uh, that, that match our theology, but this stuff, especially about the end times of Revelation and the beasts and the seals and all that kind of stuff, we're, we're not like that. We're, we're not, I'm not that type of believer who would believe that kind of stuff. That's what it means to to not go far away. Don't be too extreme. And of course, practically speaking, we know very often our loved ones, family members, people who are close to us, they urge us, okay, be a follower of Christ, but don't be an extreme believer. Don't be like one of those fruitcakes kind of believers. That's extreme. Be a, it's okay. You can, we'll respect you if you follow the Lord a little bit, but don't just don't don't take it to an extreme. And it's quite something. This, this had to do with the plague of the flies that they were 
negotiating over. But as soon as that plague was gone, Pharaoh said, it changed his mind. No, I'm not going to let you go at all. And again, I would say those believers who think you can follow the Lord, you know, so to speak, in a, in a reasonable way, by not going too far away from the world, eventually they'll find out, no, you're going to still be in the world. You're still going to be one who is under the authority of Pharaoh and who the Lord cannot use for the building up of his dwelling place. So the struggle continues. The next offer that Pharaoh makes is in chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. And Pharaoh, they, Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh, and he says, Go, serve the Lord your God. Who, who are the ones that are going with you? And Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds we will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Then he said to them, The Lord had better be with you when I let your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Not so. Go now, for you who are men, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. And these are the believers, yes, they do love the Lord, but they haven't made a clear stand with their family. Like Joshua says in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, it's not easy to follow Christ, to genuinely follow Christ. There's a lot of sufferings and a lot of hardships. And a lot of parents, they're rightfully concerned about their kids. And it's like some believers would say, you know, uh, of course, I would never love the world myself. But but for the sake of my children, I have to love the world. So if we're really going to follow Christ, you can't do that if you don't have a view of your family, that my whole family is for the Lord. And I want my children to follow the Lord as well. And again, you can see how bold and, and, and decisive Moses was here. We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds we will go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. He was definite, and we should be so definite as well. My whole family is for serving the Lord, and my children are for serving the Lord as well. You can't believe for this on behalf of your children, but you can take that stand, just as Joshua did, that your family, your house, is for serving the Lord. And that will have a big, very positive effect on your family as well on your children in terms of their ability to grow up in the Lord in a healthy way. But again, this is the, uh, the case with many believers today. They make this compromise with Pharaoh and they say, uh, okay, I'll love the Lord, but uh, my children, my family are still going to be in the world and they're going to love the world and I'm going to let them love the world uh, because it's just, it's just a lot easier. But again, if, this, if, if we take this way, the Lord simply can't have his dwelling place. Not easy. It's not easy to come out from under bondage to Satan. That's a really big deal. And it's it's just not easy for anyone to be brought out. It's the Lord's mercy. If anyone can ever have that kind of clear separation from the world system of Satan today, it takes a lot of prayer, a lot of seeking, and a lot of struggling. And that's that's what you see in this bargaining. And again, I just say it just fits our experience so well. Uh, it helps us to understand our experience a lot of times. And again, we may make a decision about how we're going to serve the Lord, but also uh, love the world. And and that happens, we need to realize very often the plagues will come uh, as the Lord's. Maybe judgment's not the right way, but as his way of trying to help us realize we need to come out entirely from the world to serve him in a pure way. Well, the last bargaining that Pharaoh makes is in Exodus chapter 10, verse 24. And that's where he says, Go, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. So Pharaoh, he's just almost 
been defeated at this point. He says, you can take everything, but just leave your flocks and your herds, or even your family can go. Well, this indicates some believers will serve the Lord, and yet they still are seeking to gain the riches of this world. They're still trying to gain, still trying to acquire the riches of the world. That's a big part of their goal. And, and again, that can't happen. If our riches are still in the world, we can't have that clean break with the world that we really need. And of course, that's the Lord's word in Matthew chapter 6, verses 21 and 24. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And verse 24, no one can serve two masters. And I almost wonder if that was an allusion to that struggle there in Exodus. No one can serve two masters. You can't serve Pharaoh and serve the Lord as well. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So if we are still serving mammon, if we, if we agree with this strategy of Pharaoh, of Satan, and say, okay, I'll leave uh, the world, where I'll leave the world, but my riches are still going to be in the world, eventually you'll find out, no, you can't serve the Lord that way. The best way to follow the Lord is to have a clean break with the world from a very young age, a firm stand. And so all your friends, your family members know, now my life is for serving the Lord. And again, I'll say, you know, it's a lifelong dealing, but it's still very good to have that kind of a clean break and a clean stand from the very beginning. As so many who have served the Lord in the past, they've had that kind of a definite turn to the Lord. It didn't take a long time to make that kind of a stand. That's the healthy, right way to begin following and serving the Lord, saying, Lord, I just want to follow you. My life is just for you. Very often it takes the plagues, so to speak, to expose the real situation of the world, to help us have that kind of a stand. It doesn't have to. We can still really have that kind of a stand, even apart from that, if the Lord grants us his grace. So again, what we need is to spend time with the Lord, to deal with the Lord and ask him, Lord, show me if there's anything in me that is still not clearly entirely for you. Bring me into your light. Shine on me. Lord, uh, my feeling is I'm, I'm not loving the world, but what is your feeling about my situation? I just open to you. I open for your shining. Expose anything in me that loves the world. And, I've, and as I say, it's been very helpful for me to have that kind of a consideration. And I hope this picture in Exodus, I encourage you to spend some time on it, considering it yourself, and it really does illustrate our whole Christian experience in terms of forsaking the world and beginning to follow Christ in the wilderness. And it's just a wonderful picture. So spend some time on it. You might also find that helpful. Now, the last thing I want to say is, I was touched again as I was getting into this. You know, why could Moses, why was he able to bring the children out of the land of Egypt? Why could the Lord use him as he did? And the answer is very simple. is because he was one who had already left Egypt. He did not go back to Egypt to try to gain some fame and fortune there. He went back there specifically to get the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And because he was such a one who had been out of the land of Egypt for so long, and who had had been equipped and dealt with by the Lord over so many years, the Lord could use him to call God's people out in a powerful way. And if we want to serve the Lord today, we need to be those ourselves who have left the world in a complete and absolute way with no compromise, to be firmly for the Lord, firmly for his purpose, firmly for his desire. 
once we take that stand, then the Lord can use us to gain others to follow him for the sake of his purpose, for the sake of his dwelling place on the earth. Again, I I really appreciate that quote from Hudson Taylor. The reason why we have so much trouble getting others saved is we're only half saved ourselves. So if we feel that we lack spiritual power, we lack power in the gospel, that should also cause us to be before the Lord, to seek him for any ground the world has in our being that would frustrate him from really using us as he desires to use us. And as he deals with us, then by his mercy, he may use us to call others out of the world, to follow him and to serve him, to establish his kingdom on the earth and to build up the church as his dwelling place according to his eternal purpose. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. For more resources, you can visit thechristianfaith.org, which is my website. If you'd like to receive my e-letter, just click on the subscribe link there and enter your email address. And to connect with us by email, just send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. Until next time, may the Lord keep you in his way for his sake and his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.